where we find ourselves in a short series of sermons on the kingdom of heaven. And if anyone is qualified to teach us about a kingdom, it is the king himself. Uh, Last week we saw the importance of grace and gratitude in the kingdom of heaven, that this great king has bought us and brought us into his kingdom. He provides for us and he puts us to work. And the work that we do, though not easy, is fulfilling. The work that we do is satisfying. We are working for something of eternal significance and worth. And so we should be overflowing with gratitude at His grace. We should rejoice that He has brought us into His kingdom. And we should rejoice when He brings others into His kingdom too. We thought about the the foolishness and the selfishness of wanting the grace and the goodness of God for ourselves, but wanting God to withhold that same grace and goodness from others. The spring of His grace will never run dry. And so we should long for others to know the blessings that we know in Christ Jesus. This week we turn to a chapter filled with parables. We're going to look at just one of them together this morning, uh, Matthew chapter 13. And the parable that we are going to look at begins at verse 24. So Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Amen. It's often said that parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And sometimes those heavenly meanings can take a wee bit of work to discover But there are a few of Jesus' parables that he speaks to the crowds and then later he explains 
to his disciples. And this parable is one of those parables. And we have the opportunity this morning uh, to gather with the disciples. He takes them into a small house to gather with them in that wee house and to eavesdrop Jesus' explanation of this story, of this parable. So we're going to do that as we uh, pick up in Matthew 13, reading from verse 36. Matthew 13, verse 36. Sorry if you closed your Bibles. I should have warned you in advance. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. So we know from the Lord Jesus what the field and the story represents. The field is the world. And in the fields, in the world, there are two types of plants growing. There is wheat and there are weeds or wheat and tares, depending on your translation. In the world, then, there are only two types of people, according to the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately. What does Jesus call them? If you look at verse 38, the second half, the good seed, he says, stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. So children of the kingdom of heaven and children of the evil one. You might say, well, what else? You have the good seeds, the wheats, that's one extreme, and you have the weeds, the, the sons of the evil one, that's the other extreme, but what about all the people in the middle? Most people. Most people aren't really, really good, and most people aren't really, really bad. Most of us are somewhere in the middle, so where are they in this parable, in this story of Jesus? Well, Jesus leaves no middle ground. He creates no third category. You are good seed or bad. You are wheat or weed. You are a child of the kingdom or a child of the evil one. That's all. No matter what personality type you are, what nationality, 
what sex, what political persuasion, ultimately in the eyes of heaven, there are only really two types of people. There is only really one dividing line which matters in the end. You are either a a child of the kingdom or a child of the evil one. That's the one dividing line which stands. And if that surprises you, then it may be because a part of you thinks that if you're really, really good, if you do a lot of good stuff, a lot of good deeds, you will earn favor with God. So you think you've got really good people who do a lot of good things, who God smiles upon, and then you've got really, really bad people who do a lot of really bad things, who God frowns upon, and most of us are somewhere in between. But that's not the message of the Christian faith. That's not the message of the Lord. That's not the gospel. The reality is that we have all sinned. We have all failed. We have all fallen short of the standard that God requires. He is too high. He is too holy. He is too perfect to tolerate our failure, to put up with our sin and our rebellion against Him. But He has made a way for us to come into the kingdom. He has made a way for us to be adopted into His family. And that way is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior are redeemed and rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought in to the kingdom of light by His grace and in His mercy. Colossians 1, the Apostle Paul speaks of our giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us. So it's not our good deeds that qualify us. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of light. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of Christ. But there are many who love darkness and will not come into the light, will not come into the kingdom of Christ. So the the question then that this parable forces us to face is this, where are we? Which, to which kingdom do we belong? To which king do we belong? To which kingdom do we want to belong? Jesus leaves no middle ground He who is not with me is against me, he says. Are you with him? Are you for him? Or are you against him? Are you all in? Or are you all out? He leaves no fence on which to sit. No middle ground on which to stand. The other surprising thing about this story, this parable, is that the weeds and the wheat grow together. 
They share the same space, the same land. They face the same conditions. The, the, the weather we have had recently has been fairly bad. It's been cold. It's been wet. It's been windy. It's been snowy. But there has been some sunshine as well. And so I've looked out the window on more than one occasion with a bit of trepidation to see if the grass has begun to grow yet. Because I know that when the grass begins to grow, the weeds begin to grow. And the war starts over again. The grass and the weeds share the same space. And that's the way it is in this parable, though. The weeds and the wheat grow together, side by side. And the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one share the same space. We grow together, we live together, we face the same conditions in life. And that is as it should be for now. Sons of the kingdom are not to try and hide away. There's always been a temptation for the church to do that, to, to create safe spaces that we can hide in, that we can live in, so we don't have to face the, the, the world outside. That's not the way it should be. What's the Alistair Begg illustration that I tend to quote, that I quoted, I think, again recently, you know, that the, the boat must be in the world. The world must not be in the boat, but the boat must be in the world. The boat must be in the water. If, if, if the church is not in the world, if we're not living side by side with those who are of another kingdom, then what good are we? What are we achieving for Christ? Believers must live side by side with unbelievers and bear witness to a better king and to a kingdom, the kingdom, that will never fall. That doesn't make for an easy life because we have different values, we have a different worldview, uh, we have different lords, light and darkness don't coexist happily together, do they? And we feel awkward sometimes that we can't participate in things that other people are participating in. We have to stand on the sidelines. We feel uneasy with that, perhaps, standing out, standing apart. Sometimes we might face being laughed at or being marginalized. Some of our brothers and sisters and other Countries and other cultures face losing their freedom or even losing their lives for their faith in Christ. It's not an easy life that we are called to live, but for now, our call is to live with those people who, who are inhabiting a different kingdom, who belong to a different king. And so in that difficulty, in that tension, we, we learn to long for the coming of our King, for the coming of Christ, for that day where He will pull apart good and evil, where He will wipe every tear from our eyes, where He will make all 
things new, where there will be no more schemes of an enemy to deal with, no more darkness and death, only light and life in the Lord. We long for that day. We look for that day. And as we book uh, What is the Gospel, uh, a book that I would happily and heartily recommend, Greg Gilbert says this. He says, God intends to create for His people a new world, free of sin and death and sickness. War will end, oppression will cease, and God will dwell with His people forever. Never again will any of God's people suffer death, and never again will tears burn our eyes at a graveside. Never again will an infant live but a few days and then die. Never again will we mourn or hurt or weep. Never again will we long for home. For as Revelation tells us, God Himself will wipe every tear from our eyes. And we will finally see His face. And then He says this, what do you say in response to all that? One thing, I think. O oh Lord Jesus, come quickly. And you might be saying that this morning. O oh Lord Jesus, come quickly. Sounds wonderful. That's the world that I long to live in. Come quickly. Lord Jesus. You might say, why has it been so long? Well over 2,000 years and counting now. Why wait before coming to pull apart good and evil, to make all things new, to usher your people into this great new reality? Well, Peter says the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some understand slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He has compassion for those who are heading to judgment, heading for the agony that Jesus describes so vividly in this parable. The sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient, more than sufficient, for all to come. You know, I mentioned the weeds in my garden. Those weeds will never become grass. They will never become good. They will never change their nature. But in Christ, sons of the evil one can become sons of the kingdom of heaven. That which was dead can live. That which was enslaved can be liberated, can be set free. And the king is gracious and patient and loving and kind, giving people time to come to repentance and to faith in him. And that's a good thing. Look at what Jesus says again, verse 30. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. There is a gathering of the sons and daughters of the kingdom, but there is also a collecting of the sons and daughters of the evil one before 
they are sent to the fire. As the weeds, verse 40, are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age, says the Lord Jesus. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The patience of God is not to be confused with indifference with regard to sin. He will not deny His very nature by pretending that sin does not exist, by sweeping sin eternally under the carpet. He is the God who is holy and just, and so sin must be faced and dealt with and addressed. And it has been in Christ Jesus. And so He gives the opportunity before this great judgment, for all to come to repentance and faith in Christ, for all to be lifted from the kingdom of darkness and death and placed in the kingdom of light and life. We have a time, we have a day of grace, an opportunity to tell people that they can become children of God, sons and daughters of the kingdom through simple faith, in the king who humbled himself to be born as a baby in Bethlehem, to grow up as a boy in Nazareth, to live in the midst of the mess of our world and to die in love on the cross for our sins. And so there should be a sense of urgency as we try to fulfill the great commission, to go and to speak and to make disciples of all nations. There's another issue here, one more issue, which, um, which we ought to address. You know, again, I said when a weed appears in, in, in my garden, you know it's a weed. It looks very different from the grass. It's green, but it looks very different from the grass. Well, that wasn't the case uh, with regard to the, the weeds that the Lord Jesus Christ is almost certainly speaking about here in Matthew 13. There was and is a weed called Darnell. I looked up the Latin. If you want to Google it, you can Google Lolium temulentum. Lolium temulentum. And that weed is still an issue for people who grow wheat because it, it looks very much like wheat as it grows as it develops right up until the time that the heads uh, become visible. The grain it produces is not the same as wheat. It looks different and it is different. It's been described as mildly poisonous to people and to livestock. And so in those days, this was something that happened. There was a Roman law against this practice, but it happened. People, if they were fighting with their neighbors, would sometimes in the middle of the night go out and sow bad seeds on their soil so that there would be weeds, these weeds, growing amongst the wheat. It was a common thing that happened in those days. So the weeds looked like the weeds right up until the time that the ears appeared. 
that the fruit, we might say, showed itself. And then the farmer would be able to distinguish between the weeds and the wheat. But the, the roots were all intermingled. They, they were tied together. So they would wait until the, they'd been harvested together. And then the, the seeds, the grain, would be separated out. Never to see each other again. The bad seeds for the fire and the good wheat would be gathered together for the harvest. There is a reminder here that though we live with sons and daughters of another kingdom, though in many ways our lives look like their lives, people should be able to tell the difference when they look at the fruit we produce with our lives. You should be able to tell the true and the false apart by the fruit that we produce. The sons of the kingdom should be producing fruit in keeping with who we are and whose we are. Children of God should bear some resemblance to our heavenly Father. Disciples of Jesus should bear some resemblance to the Lord that we are looking at and following and serving and learning from. If the Holy Spirit dwells within us, then we ought to see some of the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what people ought to see as they look to us and to our lives. The Lord Jesus says this, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. That's not to say that we will never sin. No, we have to wait for the harvest before, verse 43, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Before we will be like him, because we will see him as he is. So there are times that we still sin. It's not to say we won't sin, but it is to say that we are empowered to live a life which is distinct and different from the lives of those around us. To live a life which in some way shines and shows something of the greatness of the King that we serve. Something of the nature of the kingdom of heaven. We are to be distinctive. We are to bear good fruit for our king as subjects of the kingdom of heaven. And as we live our lives like that, and as we speak of our king, we, we ought to believe that God will be faithful to bring others in to lift others as he has lifted us from the kingdom of darkness and death into the kingdom of light and life, into the kingdom of the Son 
that He loves. This is what He has promised to do. This is what He is doing all around the world, and there is no reason why He would not be pleased to do that for us as we live for Him, as we give ourselves to this great cause, and as we speak of our Lord in love. So, let's stand together to rejoice in the love and the goodness and the grace of our King as we sing our closing hymn together, I Cannot Tell.